Okay, brothers and sisters, uh, first of all, happy Day of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah to all of you, even though you are not Hebrew, but then again, maybe we are partly Hebrew or descendants of the Hebrew nation. We'll find out a little bit later on, but let's go ahead and talk about Leviticus chapter 26. And so this will be the last installment in the book of Leviticus. So after this, we're going to go straight to Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers. So we're almost at the end of the study of the Torah or the first five books of Moses. And then we're going to go to Revelation. Is that okay? If you do that, it's going to be very exciting. But so let's go ahead and talk about Leviticus 26. We entitled it Blessings and Punishments because Yahuwah is reminding his people about the covenant. Remember the covenant that God made with his people Israel? A covenant is basically an agreement, a legal and binding agreement or treaty that Yahuwah God has made with his people Israel. The mediator of this covenant he made with his people Israel back in the days of Exodus in Mount Sinai is simple. The mediator is Moses, but God, of course, is the one who has given the covenant. And this covenant is about God being the God of Israel, and Israel recognizes God as the one who takes care of them. However, one of the principal ideas of a covenant is that God gives his people something to do, a requirement that God has given his people to keep the covenant. And so what is the basis of this covenant? The commandments of Yahuwah our God. This is why we study the Ten Commandments, also some of the rules and regulations and other commandments of Yahuwah our God, because that's the basis of this covenant God has made with his people. However, and so let's go ahead and take a look at some of the principal parts of this covenant or commandments of Yahuwah our God. The book of Leviticus 26, 1 to 2, do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculptured stones in your land so you may worship them. I am Yahuwah your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am Yahuwah. Now we know that Yahuwah God has given his people many commands. But there are three that are a point of emphasis in Leviticus 26. The first one, do not make idols. God is telling them about idols because in the place that they're going to go to and the place that they came from, it's littered with idolatry, carved images, sacred pillars, sculptured stones. But this is not the way that Yahuwah wants to be worshipped. And so Yahuwah God is basically telling his people Israel, the standard that you will use is not the world standard. The standard you will use are the commandments of Yahuwah our God. You cannot simply worship any which way you want. You have to follow the standard set up by Yahuwah our God. What also is noteworthy here? It says you must keep my Sabbath days of rest. This requires dedication on the part of God's people and also to show reverence for the sanctuary of Yahuwah. What does that represent? It represents true worship, not simply worship, but worship that shows reverence and is pleasing to Yahuwah our God. So in summary, 
what is important to Yahuwah, our God, are the following three things. Do not let the world be your standard in worshiping Yahuwah, right? Number two, dedicate yourself to Yahuwah, our God. And number three, offer to Yahuwah, not just any kind of worship, but true worship. Does this sound familiar? I think when we look at the New Testament passages, it also basically outlines these three ideas. For example, if we jump to Romans 12, 1 to 2 in the Christian era, which is applicable, of course, during our time, this is what Apostle Paul reminds us of concerning our responsibility to Yahuwah our God. So then, my friends, because of God's mercy to us, I appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. So worship, true worship is offering ourselves as a living sacrifice dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. We need to dedicate ourselves. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. And you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and pleasing to him and is perfect. This must be how we are to live our life. And so today, after our Bible study, if you can, go back to your Bibles and maybe print out Romans 12, 1 to 2. And let's dedicate ourselves to fulfill what is required of us. Because remember, yes, long ago, Yahuwah God made a covenant with his people. But Yahuwah God, through his son, Yahusha, has also made a covenant with us. And this is what we need to fulfill to satisfy that covenant. You know, in the old times, during the days of the Holy Bible, the Old Testament figures, in the ancient Near East, it was customary for covenants or legal agreements to conclude with passages containing blessings upon those who observed the requirements and punishments upon those who did not. Because a covenant is an agreement. If you obey your part of the agreement, there's a blessing. If you disobey your part of the agreement, there is a punishment. And so blessings, punishments, these are parts of the terms of the covenant that Yahuwah God as well made with his people Israel. However, when we look at Leviticus 26 and we look at the blessings and punishments, not only do they describe the terms of the covenant, they are also prophetic. Yeah, it's really, really wonderful to see how Leviticus 26, which started out with the people of Israel as the terms of the covenant, the blessing and the curses, or the blessing and the punishments, unfolds prophetically. And we will see this in our study today. So let's begin with the blessings. Because Leviticus 26 begins with the blessings for those who obey. Let's read uh, 26, 3 to 5. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains, the land will then yield its crops, and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest, and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. And so what is one of the blessings 
that God has promised those who will follow his decrees and obey his commands, blessings upon the land. And so it will yield crops and they will eat their fill and be satisfied. What does that represent today? Blessings upon our what? Livelihood, right? And so during the days of Israel, their livelihood depended on the land. Without crops, they're going to have famine. With a lot of crops, they're going to eat their fill. And the Bible also promises they will, they will live securely in the land. So the first level of blessing, the first level is blessing of provision and protection, which is what we also need today, right? Provision and protection. Provision, we want to eat, we want to live, we want to pay the bills. Also protection, because there's so many enemies, invisible enemies like COVID-19, right? And so we need Yahuwah's blessing. However, the blessing doesn't just stop there. What also is included among the blessings? Six to eight, I will give you peace in the land and you will be able to sleep with no cause of fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. What also is Yahuwah's blessing for those who follow his decrees and his commands. They will have peace in the land. This is why they can sleep nicely at night. They don't worry about the enemies. Why? Because they can overpower the enemies instead of the other way around. In fact, the Bible uh, tells us that if they follow the decrees of the Father, what will they, able, what will they be able to do regardless of who may attack them? The Bible says five of you will chase a hundred. When, when we think of five versus one hundred, of course, you're going to side with the hundred, right? No chance. Five against one hundred. A hundred of you will chase 10,000. Can you imagine? A uh, hundred against 10,000? I mean, logically speaking, you're going to say the 10,000 will beat the hundred and the 100 will beat the five, right? But if you factor in the blessing of God, even if the whole world is against you, you will not be defeated. And so Yahuwah God has promised a blessing which includes supernatural protection and help. But not only that, best of all, most of all, what is Yahuwah's blessing? 26, 9 to 13, I will look favorably upon you, make you fertile and multiplying your people, and I will fulfill my covenant with you. I, you will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I will live among you, and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I am Yahuwah, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your head held high. So in addition to protection, provision, and peace, Yahuwah God blesses by means of his fellowship with his people. How many here would like that blessing upon your life? Yeah, because if God is with us, who can be against us? And this is what Yahuwah said, you're going to have all the prosperity, because when you look at Leviticus 26, 9 to 13, 
The Bible says, I will look favorably upon you. Your people will be multiplied and your crops will have surplus among surplus. What is that called? Prosperity, right? So you have uh, provision, protection, peace, prosperity, the four P's, right? And the best of all, Yahuwah himself will be amongst them. He will live with them and will walk with them. And this is God's promise, his blessing. Was this ever fulfilled in the lives of the people of Israel? Yeah. When? Let's read the book of Kings 10, 4 to 9. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was, so, she was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cup bearers and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of Yahuwah. She exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom are true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise Yahuwah your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of Yahuwah's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. And so did God fulfill his blessings to Israel when they obeyed his commands? Yes. When was this fulfilled? During the days of Solomon, after the, the temple was dedicated to Yahuwah our God. And how did God bless them? With peace and prosperity and protection. To the point that someone all the way from the Far East traveled to King Solomon's court. What's her name? Queen of Sheba, right? And she admired what she saw. She was amazed by what she saw. And she declared, your people are so happy. Your people are so prosperous. One thing is true. Yahuwah, your God, has eternal love for your people, the people of Israel. This was the golden age of the people of Israel. The only problem is it was short-lived. Sometimes when we achieve success, success can become our own worst enemy, right? This is why when it comes to the various tests in our life, tests of sickness, tests of poverty, one of the most difficult tests to pass is the test of what? Prosperity. When the people of Israel became prosperous, they started to slowly forget about who? Yahuwah, God, even Solomon himself. He fell to idolatry. This is why we have to be on guard. We have to make sure we don't become complacent. We need to keep growing in our knowledge of Yahuwah, our God. Yes, God blessed his people, Israel. But shortly after that, it was all downhill. Solomon's mistakes led to the division of Israel into two houses, right? House of Israel and the house of Judah. That was one of the effects. And so it was short-lived. After the blessing is the warning of punishments, which if you will look at Leviticus, the description of the blessings is not that long. 
But when you look at the description of the punishment, it's much longer, about twice as long as the description of the blessings. That's because uh, our human nature is to respond better with threat for some reason rather than the promise of reward and blessing human nature is human nature. And it's really, really unusual that even though Yahuwah God has given warning about the punishment and also the promise of great blessing, for some reason, human beings are drawn to what? Punishment. It's true of Israel, but look, take a look at the punishment. Take a look at what Yahuwah God said. Leviticus 26, 14 and 17. However, if you do not listen to me or obey all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt, and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I will bring sudden tears upon you. I want to pause up for a while. We need to understand, brothers and sisters, we belong to God's people. And because we belong to God's people, God has made a covenant with us. According to the covenant, if we disobey purposely, if we keep refusing to obey the commands of God, he will punish us. You know, how can you tell when God is punishing us? The Bible says sudden terrors will come upon you. This is why we need to always examine our life. I'm not saying that if some bad thing, tragedy, sickness, disease, when some bad thing happens to us all of a sudden, unannounced, unplanned for, it doesn't mean, of course, that God is punishing us. It could be a test. It could be a test, right? But most of the time, it could be God punishing us. If God is punishing us, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. Why? Because he doesn't want it to get worse, right? And so when the Bible says, I will punish you, I will bring sudden terrors upon you, we need to stop right away. However, because of the stubbornness and rebellious nature of his people Israel, in the following verses, it shows us in the Holy Bible that the people of Israel kept ignoring the warning of God. And so what would eventually happen to them? Let's keep reading. Wasting diseases and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> that sounds familiar. You will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you. And you will run even when no one is chasing you. What is that called? When you're running even when no one's chasing you. You're living in fear. Right? There are a lot of people today who live in fear and worry. There's really no reason to be afraid, but they're always afraid. And so Yahuwah God says, this is what's going to happen to you. And basically 16 to 17 that you see on the screen, this is the summary of what would happen to the people of Israel if they were to reject the decrees and the commands of God and break his covenant. However, what does Yahuwah God also warn his people concerning the punishment that he will mete out if they were to be disobedient. In verses 18 and 20, and if in spite all of this, you will still disobey me, I will punish you seven times over for your sins. I want to pause there for a while. When you are being punished, what is the wise response to punishment? What's the wise response? 
you repent and you return to Yahuwah your God. What is the foolish and stubborn response? <laughs> Instead of repenting, you continue to disobey. And so Yahuwah God warned his people because Yahuwah knows. He knew already that his people are not going to obey his decree. So he told them in advance, if you, have, you are being punished and still you disobey my laws, I will punish you how many times? Seven times over for your sins. The phrase seven times over, what does that mean? It simply suggests a warning that God would multiply punishment upon punishment if Israel will continue to be stubborn and disobedient. In other words, the punishment is going to get worse and worse. And if you are a smart fellow, you know when to stop right? You don't want it to get too bad. And so when Yahuwah says, I will punish you seven times over for your sins, what's the first level of punishment? What will happen upon a person who's being punished by God on the first level? Remember, it escalates. It gets worse and worse. What's the first level? Let's find out. I will break your proud spirit by making the skies as unyielding as iron and the earth as hard as bronze. All your work will be for nothing, for your land will yield no crops, and your trees will bear no fruit. Remember the passage we read earlier, we gave you the summary. Now we're getting the microscopic view, the details of these punishments. And God begins by breaking your proud spirit. Because when a person disobeys Yahuwah God, what is really the root of their problem? It's their pride, right? Don't tell me what to do. It's my life. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. How many here like to live like that? Don't tell me what to do. I get to tell myself what to do. There are so many people who want to live like that. And so what Yahuwah is going to do is break the proud spirit. How so? By making the skies as unyielding as iron and the earth hard as bronze. What does that mean? No rain. The land will not produce what? Crops. And so this is... Referring to one's livelihood. Their business will fail. They will lose their jobs. They will suffer a financial demise. And so when this begins to happen, it's because Yahuwah God has inflicted like the first level of punishment. And so let's say this has happened to them. They're losing their jobs. They're not able to feed themselves and their families, yet they still ignore Yahuwah God. What's like the next level? 21 to 22. If even then you remain hostile toward me and refuse to obey me, I will inflict disaster on you seven times over for your sins. I will send at wild animals that will rob you of your children and destroy your livestock. Your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted. See how worse it got? Now not only will your properties, not only will your livelihood be affected, even your kids, your family is going to be affected. I will send wild animals to rob you of your children. Let's say this is happening to them and still they refuse to obey Yahuwah our God. What's going to happen next? What's like the next level of punishment? 23. 
through 26. And if you fail to learn the lesson and continue your hostility toward me, then I myself will be hostile toward you. I will personally strike you with calamity seven times over for your sins. I will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you have broken. When you run to your towns for safety, I will send a plague to destroy you there, and you will be headed, handed over to your enemies. I will destroy your food supply so that 10 women will need only one oven to bake bread for their families. They, they will ration your food by weight, and though you have food to eat, you will not be satisfied. See how worse it got? That's the escalation of the punishment that Yahuwah has warned his people Israel so that they would not break his covenant. This time, the Bible says Yahuwah himself will be hostile toward them and they will be destroyed by means of one plague after another. And it doesn't matter where they go because nowadays when things are not working well for you, I'm going to move to a different country. And maybe when I move to a different country, things will begin to change. I'll move to a different company. I'll move to a different state. It doesn't matter when one is under Yahuwah's curse, when Yahuwah himself is hostile towards them. They're going to be destroyed by the plague of Yahuwah, our God. Now, even after all this, you're still stubborn. You still reject the command of God. What is like the next level after that? In spite of all this, you still refuse to listen and still remain hostile toward me, then I will give full vent to my hostility. I myself will punish you seven times over for your sins. Then you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. I will destroy your pagan shrines and knock down your places of worship. I will leave your lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship. I will take no pleasure in your offerings that should be a pleasing aroma to me. We don't want to ever experience the full vent of God's anger against us. But this happened to Israel. What? How does the Bible uh, tell us about the full vent of Yahuwah's hostility? The Bible says you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. Can you imagine anything worse than that? Famine so bad, you resort to cannibalism, not just cannibalism, eating your own, the flesh of your own son and daughter. I wonder if that actually happened. What do you think? Did it actually happen? Yeah. What happened according to the Holy Bible, the history as presented by the Holy Bible? Let's jump to 2 Kings 6, 26 to 29. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, please help me, my lord, the king. He answered, if Yahuwah doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, what is the matter? She replied, this woman said to me, come on, let's eat your son today. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Let's eat your son today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she had hidden her son. Wow. This is what happened to Israel. Take note. This event happened to the house of Israel. Not the house of Judah. 
because at this point, Israel as a whole were divided into how many houses? Two, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which was the bigger one? House of Israel, which was a smaller one? House of Judah. In the house of Israel, they were so disobedient to God that they were punished severely to the point that because of the famine, they were beginning to eat their own kids. Can you imagine that? Now, you would think, right? You would think this is happening. You would think that the house of Israel would finally respond and say, enough is enough. We're returning to you, Yahuwah God. But is that what they did? No. They kept rejecting Yahuwah our God. And because of this, what was the next punishment? It says here, Leviticus 26, 32, 35. Yes, I myself will devastate your land and your enemies who come to occupy it will be appalled at what they see. I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. And so even after having Yahuwah's full vent, they still did not repent and return to Yahuwah. What will Yahuwah God do? I will devastate your land. Your enemies will conquer you. And not only that, you will be scattered among the nations. Was this fulfilled? Yes, this was fulfilled in the house of Israel because the house of Israel were destroyed by the Assyrians. And after they were destroyed by the Assyrians, many of the tribes of Israel, the lost tribes of Israel were scattered throughout the nations. And in one of our future Bible studies, we're going to try and identify the various places where the, the, the people of the house of Israel were scattered to, the tribes of Israel. Remember when Yahusha came to earth, when he was here on earth, he said, I came to look for the lost house of Israel. James, in James 1.1, he mentions the tribes of Israel scattered abroad. And so we're going to look in future studies, where did they actually go? The ten tribes of the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom is the house of Israel. We know the Assyrians came and destroyed them, but many scattered about in different places. One of the most notable places, okay? Now prepare yourselves. I don't want you to be shocked too much. One of the most notable places that the tribes of the northern kingdom went to was where? Here it is. Jeremiah 31.10, hear the word of Yahuwah, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. So according to scriptures, one of the notable places where Yahuwah God scattered the tribes of the house of Israel is in a place afar off, in a place composed of what? islands of the sea could it be could it be the philippines right i mean if you go to the philippines today you look at the mountains all the mountain ranges in the philippines practically they come from hebrew words right and if you look at biblical descriptions of ophir it describes the philippines could it be that filipinos are more hebrew than the jewish people who live in israel today could be 
We're going to study all about that in the future. Take note, however, the scattering of the tribes in the northern kingdom, the house of Israel. This was the result of God's punishment. Now, so the house of Israel is gone, right? Because they were scattered, they were destroyed. And you have one house left. What's the name of that house? The house of Judah. So the house of Judah is standing. They saw what happened to their brothers. You would think that they would start repenting, right? Is that what they did? No. They remained stubborn. And so what would happen to them? The prophecy says your land will become desolate and your cities will lie in ruins. Then at last the land will enjoy its neglected Sabbath years as it lies desolate while you are in exile in the land of your enemies. Then the land will finally rest and enjoy the Sabbaths it missed. As long as the land lies in ruins, it will enjoy the rest you never allowed it to take every seventh year while you live in it. We talked about, these, about this last week in previous Bible studies, right? What is this talking about? The house of Judah would eventually fall. It would become desolate. It would lie in ruins. And they would be sent as in, in, into exile into a foreign land, right? So did this actually happen? Let's go back to 2 Kings 24, 1-4. Do during Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon invaded the land of Judah. Jehoiakim surrendered and paid him tribute for three years, but then rebelled. Then Yahuwah sent bands of Babylonian, Aramean, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Judah to destroy it. Just as Yahuwah had promised to his prophets, these Disasters happened to Judah because of Yahuwah's command. He had decided to banish Judah from his presence because of the many sins of Manasseh, that was the king before, who had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. Yahuwah could not, would not forgive this. And so Judah, the house of Judah, upon seeing what happened to their brothers, did they repent and return to Yahuwah? No. As a matter of fact, the succeeding kings of Judah, they were so evil and went against Yahuwah our God. And so what did God decree? Yahuwah decreed that they would be destroyed. They would be defeated by King Nebuchadnezzar when the Babylonians invaded the land of Judah. Now when this first happened, the first siege, during the first time when Babylon went to Judah and caused the king to surrender, the king of Babylon, the King Nebuchadnezzar, still allowed the people of Judah to meet in Judah. The king is still there. However, they were no longer controlled by, they were no longer sovereign nation. They basically lost their independence. What proves this? In 2 Kings 24, 15 and 17, Nebuchadnezzar led King Jehoiachin away as a captive to Babylon, along with the queen mother, his wives and officials, and all Jerusalem's elite. He also exiled 7,000 of the best troops and 1,000 craftsmen and artisans, all of whom were strong and fit for war. Then the king of Babylon installed Mataniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, as the next king. And he changed Mataniah's name to Zedekiah. And so because the, ru the real ruler now of Judah is Nebuchadnezzar, what did he decide to do? To install another king to replace King Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin. What is this king's name? Mataniah. And so the one who appointed him was King Nebuchadnezzar. This is why 
during this time, is uh, the, the people of Judah no longer existed as an independent nation. They, they were more like a vassal nation, subservient to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he even gave Mataniah a name. What is that name? Zedekiah. During the reign of King Zedekiah, and so before we go there, and so what we basically, this all happened, by the way, in 606 BC. Some historians say it's 605 BC, so it could be 605 BC or 606 BC. So the, when Israel lost their independence as a nation, that was because Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon went to Judah and caused the king to surrender, 606 BC. Zedekiah is now king, appointed by Nebuchadnezzar. What did he try to do? Second uh, Kings 24, 18 and 20, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, very young. And he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. But Zedekiah did what was evil in Yahuwah's sight. Now, you're already a captive of Nebuchadnezzar. You saw what happened to us here with, with Assyria and the house of Israel. You would think by now you would learn your lesson, right? But look at Zedekiah. What does he do? He did what was evil in Yahuwah's sight, just as Jehoiakim had done. These things happened because of Yahuwah's anger against the people of Jerusalem and Judah until he finally banished them from his presence and sent them into exile. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Wow, look at that proud spirit. First he rebels against Yahuwah God. Now he rebels against Babylon. And so because of this rebellion, what happened? What did Nebuchadnezzar do? 25, 1, 3 to 5 to 7. So on January 15th, during the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his entire army against Jerusalem. They surrounded the city and built siege ramps against its walls. By July 18, in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, the famine in the city had become very severe and the last of the food was entirely gone. So these are basically the punishments in Leviticus 26. But the Babylonian troops chased the king and caught him on the plains of Jericho. For his men had all deserted him and scattered, had scattered and scattered. They took him to the king of Babylon at Riblah, where they pronounced judgment upon, upon Zedekiah. They made Zedekiah watch as they slaughtered his sons. Then they gouged out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. You can see the plight of Israel, the plight of Judah. It just keeps getting worse ahead. Worse. Right? And so after this, what happened to Jerusalem? 25, 8 to 11, on August 14 that, of that year, which was the 19th year of, the, of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, and an official of the Babylonian king arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the temple of Yahuwah, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed all the important buildings in the city, then he supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. Neb Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, then took as exiles the rest of the people who remained in the city, the defectors who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon and the rest of the population. So what happened to Jerusalem? It laid in ruins. What happened to the city? It became desolate. Why? Because the exiles were taken to Babylon. And so what happened 
to the exiles while they were in Babylon. What happened to Jerusalem? The walls were also torn down. It became in ruins. And so it fulfilled the prophecy of Leviticus chapter 26. This is why Israel lost their city, Jerusalem, in 587 B.C. And so we can see from the history of God's people that both the house of Israel and the house of Judah received their proper judgments according to the punishments listed in the book of Leviticus chapter 26. So Israel first lost their independence, 606 B.C. And then Israel as a whole, when we, when we say as a whole, it's referring to both Israel and Judah, lost their city in 587 B.C. So 606 B.C., they lost their independence. 19 years later, in 587 B.C., they lost their city. It became desolate and they became exiles. While exiles in a foreign land, according to Leviticus 26, what would happen to them? Let's read 36 to 39. And for those of you who survive, I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies. You will live in such fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. Remember what we talked about earlier? You'll be afraid. They'll be running away even when no one's chasing them. It's happening in the day of exile in Babylon. You will run as though fleeing from a sword and you will fall even when no one pursues you. No one is chased, though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword. You will have no power to stand up against your enemies. You will die among the foreign nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those of you who survive will waste away in your enemies' lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. So this happened while in exile in Babylon. It's a good thing God put a cap. He put a limit as far as the level of punishment that he was to give out. It's a good thing he did that. And so after they were set in as exiles in Babylon, what happens next? Because what we knew before was when they were exiled in Babylon, God had completely forsaken Israel. Remember, it was a complete what? Apostasy. This is what we knew before. When Israel became exiles in Babylon, it was a complete apostasy of God's people. God completely forgot about the nation of Israel. But is that true? you got to keep reading. Leviticus 26, 40 to 41. It says, but at last, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors. See, the purpose of God's punishment is really to get his people to think about their life so that they can confess their sins. And so, but alas, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. When I have turned their hostility back on them and brought them to the land of their enemies, then at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins. And so if we will look at Leviticus, not just as a set of blessings and curses or punishments, but also as prophetic events, then it follows the time will come that the people of Israel will repent while in Babylon, while in exile, and Yahuwah our God will again free them. Is this what happened? Why 
do we believe that Yahuwah has not forgotten his people Israel, even after the exile in Babylon? Let's keep reading. Then I will remember. This is beautiful. What will Yahuwah remember? Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. And I will remember the land, for the land must be abandoned to enjoy its years of Sabbath rest as it lies deserted. At last the people will pay for their sins, for they have continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees. Yes, Yahuwah God has punished his people Israel. Yes, Yahuwah God has abandoned his people Israel. But he has not forgotten them completely. Because he said, I will remember my covenant. What was that covenant? The one he made with his friend. What's his friend's name again? Abraham. This was an unconditional covenant. And so because he remembers the unconditional covenant that he made with Abraham concerning his descendants and the land that is to be occupied. What did Yahuwah God say? 44, 45. But despite all this, despite what Israel has done, despite their stubbornness and rebelliousness, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out. And so it was not a complete apostasy, right? God is not yet finished with Israel. God says, I will not wipe them out, for I am Yahuwah their God. For their sakes, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations, that I might be their God. I am Yahuwah. And so Yahuwah remembers his covenant. He has not canceled his covenant. He has made a promise to his friend Abraham, and he's going to carry that out. And so when they were in exile in Babylon, how long was that exile for? Let's read Jeremiah 25, 11, 12. This entire land will become a desolate wasteland. Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. 17, not seven. Then after the 70 years of captivity are over, I will punish the king of Babylon and his people for their sins, says Yahuwah. I will make the country of the Babylonians a wasteland forever. Was this fulfilled? After 70 years, were they given permission to go back to their homeland? Yeah, through the decree of Cyrus. This is why there are many prophecies about Cyrus the Great in the book of Isaiah 40 to 45 the prophecies about Cyrus. And so he would be the instrument of God to punish the Babylonians and to set free the people of Israel. So after seven years, the people of Israel were allowed to go back to their land. Not only that, after seven years of captivity, what will Yahuwah God do? Let's read Jeremiah 29.10. This is what Yahuwah says. You will be in Babylon for, how long again? Seven years. But then... I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. And so Yahuwah says, because of this covenant, your exile and your punishment will only last for how many years? Seven years. And after that, I will, do, I will come and do good things that Yahuwah has promised. Do you know what that refers to? Because eventually after Cyrus' decree and many other decrees, like the decree of Arthaxerxes, eventually the temple was rebuilt, then Jerusalem was rebuilt, right? 
And so there's now a new temple, a new city called Jerusalem. And so God fulfilled his promise. But God also said, I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. The temple was now erect. Jerusalem was rebuilt. The walls were rebuilt. But there's another promise that Yahuwah made for his people Israel. What is that? Let's go to Hebrews 10 verse 1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. And so according to Jeremiah, Yahuwah will fulfill the good things for Israel in the future. What are the good things referred to here that was foreshadowed by what happened in the Old Testament? Let's read Colossians 2. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And so after Yahuwah brought them out of, of uh, Babylon, back into their homeland, after Yahuwah God blessed them with a temple, after Yahuwah God blessed them with a wall, after Yahuwah God rebuilt Jerusalem, after Yahuwah God blessed them with prophets again, the best was the coming of who? Yahusha, the Christ. He sent Yahusha, the Christ, so that they would be helped, so that they can be the kingdom that Yahuwah God has promised. The only problem is when Yahuwah God sent at last, finally, what all the prophets were prophesizing, prophesying ever since the days of Genesis, at last, Yahusha was given to Israel. What did Israel do? They crucified him. They did not accept him as king. They did not accept him as high priest. They rejected him and they crucified him. And so what did Yahusha say to them? Matthew 23, 37, 38. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. And so because they rejected Yahusha. What did Yahusha say? Yahusha was filled with, with sadness, right? Because she, he wanted to save Israel. He wanted to save Jerusalem. But he said, you rejected me. Look, your house has left you desolate. There goes that word again. One of the punishments in Leviticus 26. What does that mean? Desolate in another translation. Abandoned. Deserted. In what way will Jerusalem be abandoned and deserted? In Luke 19, 41, 44. When he came closer and he saw the city, he began to cry. Yahushua was weeping over Jerusalem. Why? This was supposed to be their day. Yahuwah promised the good things to come. It has come. In the form of Yahusha to be their savior. But they rejected Yahusha. And so Yahusha said, he said, if you had only known today what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden so you cannot see it. The time will come when enemy armies will build a wall to surround you and close you in on every side. They will level you to, to the ground and kill your people. One stone will not be left on top of another because you didn't recognize the time when God came to help you. 
this was God helping Israel by sending his son, Yahushua, to give them lasting peace, but they rejected him. And so what was fulfilled was the sign of Jonah. Remember the sign of Jonah? When Jonah was sent to the Ninevites to warn them if they will not repent, their city will be overturned after 40 days. This was a prophecy, a day-to-year prophecy. Yahushua said, what sign you will be given, people of Israel, is the sign of Jonah. They rejected the Messiah. They even killed the Messiah. And 40 years later, what will happen to them? One stone will not be left on top of another. And this happened 40 years later in 70 AD. Israel, Jerusalem, was destroyed again, just like what happened when Babylon came to conquer them. You see how history repeats itself? You see the stubbornness of the people of Israel? And after 70 AD, after the complete destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, what happened to the people of Israel? The diaspora, the dispersion, they were scattered in different lands. Sound familiar? It's like it's happening all over again, right? What else? If you look at the history of Jerusalem, if you look at the history of the Jewish people, they are subjects of persecution and killing, genocide. We know about Hitler, but there's so many over the years, so many battles, so many Gentiles ruled over the people of Israel, one after the other. Why? Because they rejected the covenant of Yahuwah. And so what is being unfolded upon them inflicted upon them or the punishments mentioned in Leviticus 26. The uh, non-stop war and violence, people ruling over them, their enemies ruling over them, the dispersion, the destruction of the temple became desolate, right? But did Yahuwah forget about them even after this? No. Why? Look at Hosea 6, 1 to 2. Come, let us return to Yahuwah, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. Even after all this, Yahuwah has not forgotten Israel. What is his promise? After two days, Israel will be revived. They will have their high priest and king at last to revive them. And after that, on the third day, will be a year, will be a kingdom. We know, we studied this before. It is referring to Yahusha. And so before this can take place, what can we expect to see with the people of Israel? Well, if we go back during the Babylonian times, do you still remember when Israel as a whole lost their independence? When did they lose their independence? During the days of Israel. Remember the Babylonians? 606 BC. 19 years later, right? When Zedekiah attacked or revolted, rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, what happened? Nebuchadnezzar got mad, he went to Israel, he went to Judah, destroyed the city, and took the, the exiles, right? This happened in 587, we see 19 years later. But God did not, forgive, he did not give up on Israel, because in Hosea, 
Bible says after two days, after 2,000 years, God has a plan to revive them, to prepare the final reviving of the people of Israel. What happened to Israel in 1948? They regained independence. And in 1967, they regained Jerusalem. Do you see the pattern? 606 BC, Lasal, independence. And then how many years later before they lost Jerusalem? 19. 1948, they regained independence. How many years did it take for them to regain Jerusalem? 19 years. Could it be coincidence? I don't think so. This, these are God's fingerprints. He's meddling in the affairs of human beings now. He's setting up the people of Israel, accepting Yahushua as king and high priest, when they will repent at last on the future day of atonement. This is why this is happening to Israel. This is by design. Prophecy is being fulfilled. And when will Yahushua come? Back to Jerusalem for Israel. Matthew 23, 37 to 39. But you are not willing. Your house will be abandoned, deserted. 39. I can guarantee that you will not see me again. Until you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of Yehovah. So Yahushua is basically telling him, I'm going to come back. But something must happen first. You will accept me as the one who comes in the name of Yahuwah. What does that mean? It's alluding to a prophecy about the coming king of Israel. And so until Israel accepts Yahushua as their king and high priest, Yahushua will not come. And so brothers and sisters, Yahuwah has prepared for that. Why? Because he wants Israel again to live with him for, for 1,000 years, the 1,000 year millennial reign. You know, Despite all that Israel has done, what can you tell about Yahuwah our God? What can you tell about him? He loves his people Israel, right? He has not forgotten Israel. Despite the fact they crucified his begotten son, God has not forgotten Israel. Why not? In the final verse of Leviticus 26, it explains it all. Do you want me to read it? It explains it all. Leviticus 26 why despite the numerous stop displays of stubbornness and rebellion despite being punished again and again despite being so rebellious against yahuwah god why does yahuwah remember still his people israel let's read the final passage passage of leviticus 26 46 these are the decrees regulations and instructions that Yahuwah gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence of the relationship between himself and the Israelites. Yahuwah established not just a covenant with his friend Abraham, but he has established a relationship, a special relationship with his people, Israel. Right? What is that relationship? Exodus 4, 22-23. Then you will tell him, this is what Yahuwah says, Israel is my firstborn son. I commanded you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will know I will now kill your firstborn son. 
And so Yahuwah God was telling Moses what to say to Pharaoh. Tell him Israel is my firstborn son. Can you ever forget your son? He can do a lot of bad things. It doesn't really matter, it doesn't really matter how bad he gets. You cannot forget your own child, right? This is why he keeps coming back to Israel. As a matter of fact, even in exile, what did Yahuwah God say? Is not Israel still my son, my darling child? Look at those words of affection. Right? They've already rebelled against Israel. But Yahuwah says, it's not Israel. Still, my son, my darling child, says Yahuwah, I often have to punish him, but I still love him. That's why I long for him and surely will have mercy on him. You see, if you have a, parents can understand this. If you have a son, you have a daughter, even if they deserted you, you still cannot forget them, right? That's what Yahuwah says to Israel. This is what they did to me. But Israel is still my son. And if you are a son of God, what does he say about his son? But the people of Jerusalem said, Yahuwah has abandoned us. He has forgotten us. So Yahuwah answers, Can a woman forget her own baby and not love the child she bore? Even if a mother should forget her child, I will never forget you. Jerusalem, I can never forget you. I have written your name on the palms of my hands. You see, why Israel is special to Yahuwah, not only because of his covenant with Abraham, but he has developed a relationship with Israel as his firstborn son. You're a son. God may punish you, but he will never completely abandon you. He will come back for you. This is why God is not yet finished with his people, Israel. You might be saying, how fortunate are the people of Israel. How fortunate to be a son, to be a daughter of God. Who also are counted as sons and daughters of God. Ephesians 1, 3 to 7. Praise the God and Father, our Lord Yahushua Christ. Through Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Before the creation of the world, he chose us through Christ to be holy and perfect in his presence. Because of his love, he had already decided to adopt us. To adopt us through Yahushua Christ. He freely chose to do this. So that the kindness he had given us in his dear son should be praised and given glory through the blood of his son. We are set free from our sins. God forgives our failures because of his overflowing kindness. And so the mercy and the kindness that Yahuwah showed to his people Israel, God will also show us that same kindness, and even more so because of who? Yahusha the Christ. And so if we belong to Yahusha the Christ, purchased by his blood, then we now are sons and daughters of God because we are sons and daughters of God. Every spiritual blessing God has blessed us with. This is why... We should be thankful, brethren. You saw how Yahuwah keeps going back to Israel. I would not think that any of you would rebel against Yahuwah God, right? Yes, we may commit sin here and there. But you can find comfort and safety that if we will repent, Yahuwah will take us back. Because he can never forget us. Because we belong to Yahushua the Christ. And so because we are children of God, we have the blessings 
every spiritual blessing upon us, what should we also remember if we are true children of God? Hebrews 12, we're almost done. You have forgotten the encouraging words that God speaks to you as his children. My child, pay attention when the Lord disciplines you. Don't give up when he corrects you. The Lord disciplines everyone he loves. He severely disciplines everyone he accepts as his child. You know, because we are sons and daughters of God, he has bestowed upon us every spiritual blessing. However, because we are children of God, the Bible also says he will discipline us. And when we are being disciplined by God, what does this show? The Bible says the Lord disciplines everyone he loves. He severely disciplines everyone he accepts as his child. If I were you, the first sign, the first sign of God's discipline, what should we do? Repent. You don't want it to escalate, right? Repent and return to Yahuwah. But always remember this. When Yahuwah God begins to discipline us, what should we focus on? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. 7 to 11. Endure your discipline. God corrects you as a father corrects his children. All children are disciplined by their fathers. If you aren't disciplined like the other children, you aren't part of the family. On earth, we have fathers who disciplined us and we respect them. Shouldn't we place ourselves under the authority of God? the father of spirit, so that we will live. For a short time, our fathers disciplined us as they thought best, yet God disciplines us for our own good so that we can become holy like him. We don't enjoy being disciplined. It always seems to cause more pain than joy. But later on, those who learn from that discipline have peace that comes from doing what is right. If God is disciplining us, don't ignore it. Endure it. While we endure it, what does God want us to do? Learn from it. What should we learn? To become more holy like God. So that we can have peace that comes from doing what is right. You know, brethren, we will commit sin. We will. We're human beings, right? We're going to commit sin. There are probably some of us who will be stubborn. They will test God. And their punishment will be severe one after the other. But always remember this. Even when God is punishing us, he does not forget us. Because like Israel, we are his sons and his daughters. Find comfort. Find strength in the greatness of God's love for each and every one of us. Yahuwah's love for us is greater than our ability to commit sin. Always keep that in mind. And so never ever hesitate to repent and to return to God. Because Yahuwah God loves us and is preparing us for the great day of salvation from His wrath that will happen when Yahusha returns. Take us. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Abba, holy Yahuwah God, holy, holy indeed are your precepts and your commandments. You are a holy Allahim. 
And you have called us to become like you in holiness. Amen. But you know our nature. Yes. You know that we are but flesh. Yes. We are weak through and through. Yes. This is why you gave us your beloved son. Yes. And so thank you so much for giving provision for each one of us that we may stand as your sons and daughters yes. to receive every spiritual blessing. Amen. including life everlasting Amen. father sometimes when we commit sin against you yes father. we are afraid sometimes yes. to approach you yes father. because many times we have promised that we will never again commit sin yes father. but we fail again and again yes and so we say to ourselves perhaps this time maybe my god will not forgive me anymore but you have made us your sons. Yes. You have made us your daughters. Yes. Once children belonging to you, we will always be that to you. Yes. And so we take comfort in this biblical truth. Yes. We now have peace and security. Yes. No matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to the people we love, those whom you have called through Yahushua HaMashiach, yes. we know, we are confident when you blow the last trumpet, we will be saved yes we will find everlasting life Amen. thank you so much the least that we can do is to dedicate our life to you yes and so we promise you we will do that we will offer ourselves as living sacrifices yes. accept us Yahuwah. Yes. be with us during these trying times yes. that we will look up to you always yes. as our loving Allahim who cares for his people. Amen. Yahushua, our King and Lord, yes, thank Lord. you so much for your great sacrifice. Yes. Our high priest mediate for us. Yes. Strengthen our faith and prepare us for your appearing. Amen. Remember our loved ones. Remember our brethren. Yes. Remember our parents, our children, our yes, brothers Lord. and sisters. May we be fully prepared to meet you in the air yes, that we may together be with you forevermore to enjoy the promises of our loving Abba. Amen. Thank you so much, loving Yahuwah, our God, yes. for your blessings upon your people. How we long to see you at last. How we long for your embrace. Yes, How we long for your holy city to dwell with you forevermore. Amen. We ask and beg everything, O oh God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.